Do you invest in ETFs? Whether you're thinking, what in the world is an ETF? Or you're looking for the next opportunity to add to your portfolio. GlobalX has you covered. From big tech to bonds and bars of gold, GlobalX offers a wide range of exchange-traded funds. Go beyond ordinary with GlobalX ETFs. Visit globalxetfs.com.au. That's globalxetfs.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth-creating journey but not sure where to put your hard-earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. This Australian Investors Podcast episode is brought to you by The Intelligent Investor, Australia's premier investment research membership service. You can get a free trial for 15 days, no credit card details required. To access the insights of some of Australia's best analysts, use the coupon code RASK and secure your Intelligent Investor membership today. We're proud to have The Intelligent Investor as an ongoing supporter of the Australian Investors Podcast. As a result, RASK does not earn a volume-based fee. Simply head to intelligentinvestor.com.au or use the link in your podcast player to access your free trial. This episode of the Australian Investors Podcast is also proudly supported by SelfWealth, Australia's leading independent broker. Over 120,000 investors trust SelfWealth with over $9 billion in equities. With SelfWealth, you can trade ASX, US and Hong Kong listed shares for a flat fee. On a $10,000 investment with Comsec, you'd pay $29.95 in fees. Yet with SelfWealth, it's just $9.50. The thing I like about SelfWealth is the full access to fundamental company data and how easy it is to trade US, Hong Kong, and Aussie shares in one place. You can see your Apple shares and ACDC ETF right beside each other. To join SelfWealth now, use the link in your podcast player or head to selfwealth.com.au and use the coupon code RASK during sign-up. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Please remember that all of the information in this podcast episode is limited to general information only. That means the information is not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So you should seek the advice of a licensed and trusted financial professional before acting on the information. And before you acquire or apply for a financial product, please read the PDS or product disclosure statement, which should be available on the issuer's website. Lastly, please keep in mind that past performance is not indicative of future performance. Welcome to this episode of the Australian Investors Podcast, where Dr. Anir Bhandmahantni and I are back again, and we're talking results. We're talking about eight different companies. We're having a bit of fun in this episode. We're going to be a bit quicker than we were last week, and what we're going to do is we're going to go through these eight companies, a mixture of Aussie tech and US tech, and even a Irish tech company, and what we're going to do is we're going to score the reports, just like a, a teacher or a professor getting some results from students, we're going to score the companies. We're going to have a bit of fun with this. Uh, there's also a free report that you can access in the show notes or description to this podcast. So jump into your podcast player, have a look. Anirban's written a special free report on cybersecurity stocks to keep a look at. Take a look, enjoy the episode, and reach out to us on Twitter if you want to have a chat. 
Thanks for watching or listening to this episode of the Australian Investors Podcast. G'day, mate. Welcome back. G'day, mate. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's always a bit of fun. Middle of reporting season. I would say that this is the second busiest day, Thursday, the 26th of August. Um, yesterday was really busy for us. How about you? How's, how's life? Well, I was going to say that, you know, if you're in the small cap space, then most of the small caps report in the last week of August, right? Yeah. So it just, life is tough. Yeah. But life is exciting as well at the same time, right? You know, um, I was looking at some of the stocks that I used to follow closely and that I've recommended in past life. And, you know, I was happy to see some of them pop, some of them not pop. Yeah, this was a pretty interesting day. Yeah. Yeah, it's always a bit of fun. Um, it's been a few late nights this week. Did you ever have to, you know, work back pretty late? When you when you covered small caps, um, you know I, I I have this thing about uh, stocks. I think you know I would not. I never felt that I needed to have the the compulsion to finish these stocks update the day they reported, and and sort of you know I justified it as follows. Maybe this is not a proper justification, but here's my justification. My justification okay. is we're long term long term investors. Does it really matter whether you know the update comes out now? in one day, two days, or three days, but you know, I'd like to digest the results. The only exception, so I'd look at almost everything. I've always, always looked at everything, do a cursory glance, and mm-hmm. it looks great, looks good, doesn't look good, it's like a meh. And if there's a big, huge red flag, you know, this is like something that moves to a, a hold or a sell, then yes, that, you know, sort of that, almost the bad news um, used to, you know, percolate to the top of, okay, this needs to be actioned for. So that's how I had dealt with it. Some days, of course, it used to be, you know, sometimes you have the urge, like, okay, there are five and I've gone through like three. Okay, fine. I'm going to slog it out and do the other mm-hmm. two. And it's fun sometimes to get them out of the way because as you said, you know, have five one day, five the next day. So if you mm-hmm. have three, two left, you've got like seven now to go over. So, but yeah, like I, I, I you know, tried not to do it that way yeah i don't think i've um like i don't act necessarily immediately after results i've never been one to do that good or bad um but i will say that obviously when you you do this for a living you kind of felt the responsibility because your your members or your investors don't always know everything as well as you do like we can look at a report pretty quickly i would assume and we can make a decision oh it's okay it's not that bad or okay, looks looks good. I can move on to the other one that seems a bit dicey, um, and you can make that call really quick. So, yeah, we try and get we try and get back to people like to our members as, as quickly as we can. But hey, before we get into today, um, how can people find you on Twitter? Oh, they can find you at Owen Rask, <laughs> and they can find me at Seven Imahanti. That's on Twitter. Yep. Yeah, and yeah, come and chat with us is what I say. Yeah, the, I, I'd say since we started, the engagement is going up on Twitter. I think it's been really good. Uh, folks yep. from everywhere coming out with ideas, probably too many for us to cover in one day. So what we've got in store for you uh, today is we're going to talk about um, what what Anir has been working on, what I've been working on, and then we're going to go through, I think we've got nine companies, eight companies, eight companies, and we're going to fly through them really quickly and I don't know, maybe have a bit of fun with them as we go. So some companies that you can put on your watch list. So kick, to kick things off, mate, I actually, just before we jumped on, I was just reading a report. It's called, Is Zero Trust the Cybersecurity Framework for the 21st Century? Have any idea who wrote it? 
Ah, yeah, that's a, that's a good that's a good, good question. I wrote that one, uh, and thanks for the the plug. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so uh, I had a lot of fun actually writing that report because it, 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 there's a lot of different things there, and mm. I tried to simplify it, and make it accessible, so that people can sort of get the idea of what it actually means. Um, so it's a it's a report available on the seveninvesting.com. It's a free report. We call it a special free report or a free special report. Um, you know, uh, which you, uh, you know, all we ask that you give us your email address and we'll, we'll send you the report, um, a link to the mm. report. Um, it's free. Now, you know, uh, I have written it, but I would highly recommend people read it for a couple of reasons. Cybersecurity is a really, really important area. Um, there, every government in the world is putting money aside for investing in cybersecurity. Companies are investing money in cybersecurity. And Zero Trust, which basically is a is a framework for cybersecurity, uh, you know, management, which basically says that you don't trust anything, which which it is kind of if you don't trust anything, how do you actually give people access to devices and how they have access to services and so on? That becomes a tricky question. But there are many components of this uh, of zero trust, and I try to highlight what are sort of the main reasons you need zero trust, why zero trust is useful. There are many multiple ways to. Uh, implement zero trust and what are the companies most important for investors what are the companies participating in this sort of you know um this range of ideas that you know you need to deploy to actually make zero trust work so let me give some couple of examples there are lots of companies mentioned in the report um one of the things i'll point out which i think is really interesting is you'd see that many companies collaborate with each other right so and that's because they work at different levels of the zero trust stack Mm-hmm. Right. So lower down the stack, somebody might collaborate with somebody up or up down this track. And then there are three stock ideas for your, uh, you know, three stock stocks that we think uh, you could buy to, uh, mm. I guess, get exposure to this area. Uh, so have a look at those. And, and all the three companies are, you know, pretty big, large, well-known um, companies in that area. I think it's really important for a multitude of reasons. Um, and there are many more companies than just the three that you mentioned, but uh did you do the graphics? Because the graphics are great. They make such a complicated thing seem so easy. Yes. <laughs> so if you read this report, you might discover whether I'm a good artist or not. I did some of the graphics. I, I pinched some of the graphics from elsewhere, but I actually drew some of them on my iPad using, if you're, if you're watching this, using my Apple pencil. Need to get, uh, one. Need to get a pencil. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, it was a bit of fun to, you know, sort of try to, and the reason I drew it is sort of conceptualize. Sometimes it's really easy. It's better to actually draw something and then say, okay, this is what I really mean. And, you know, this is how it really works. And if you can draw it and explain it, uh, in it through a picture, a picture is worth a thousand words. So that's that's what I, I was going for. So yeah, yeah, if you want to see how bad or okay my drawings are, then this is the report you want to get. <laughs> I like it. Um, I think just on that, I think um, a lot of analysts struggle to use that side of their brain. And I think if you can use that side of your brain, it just unlocks so much um, in terms of your you know clarity of thought and also your thesis and just the way you think generally having the ability to draw or just even sketch, like doesn't, even if it's only for you, just have the idea down somewhere. And so you can get that on paper or digital paper in this case. So valuable. I I find myself doing it all the time because we do a lot of animated videos and educational stuff. um, I also go back and think this paragraph could just be an image and I just go and draw it. Um, And it's just so much easier than and better for people that are trying to learn. So yeah, great report. I'll put a link in the show notes. We'll actually um, promote that at the end. So make sure you um, you check out 
the report, simple email, and it's yours. So, mate, um, you got a recommendation coming up. It's obviously the the twenty sixth of August, as I said. So not long now until you got to drop another one. Yeah, well, that's the fun uh, you and I have, right? I, I, you know, the, our job requires us to give a stock reports. Actually, you know, I'm quite excited about the of uh, the one that's coming out first uh, of September. It'll also be a first for me in terms of how this one is going to work out. <laughs> it, it, there's, there's something that's some quirky about this one. I've, I've never really tried this quirkiness, but I'm confident about the company too. So I'll tell you about the quirkiness later. Okay. Because if I tell you about the quirkiness, or I'll tell you know people about the quirkiness, then uh, it might reveal the wreck. But it's, a, it's an interesting wreck with a bit of a quirkiness to it this time. Okay. Interesting. Bit of a teaser there. There we go. Um, cool. Yeah. Um, what have I done the last tell week? Me what to- tell me what you're doing. Uh, I, I feel like the last week has been a blur, mate. Um, we do these podcasts every week. We actually, at RASC, we now produce four podcast episodes a week. And um, I've also been going live a few times lately, which have been a bit of fun. So for our members, I did one just before we jumped on air for our RASC Invest members. And then I do one tonight for our ETF members, um, which is great fun because you get to answer a lot of questions and you get a lot of the same questions. So as um, an investment advisor, it's always good just to, if everyone's tuned in, just reveal the answer so everyone can hear it um, and say it once, and then you can always refer back to it. I find that's just from efficiency point of view, it's it's, it's amazing. And our members love it because they get to speak to you, um, which is obviously great. But we've had, I would say in the last week, at least a dozen reports, maybe more uh, for official recommendations. And then we've got companies that are on our watch list, um, which are in contention to be recommendations. And unfortunately, uh, there's, there's four of us in our team, four analysts in our team, and I'm fortunate the guys work harder than I do. So um, there have been a few late nights, but th- that we've all kind of worn that. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's been, there's been some really interesting results. A couple of them we're about to talk to. So um, that's about it for me, just busy and trying to manage through lockdown, trying to stay fit and healthy, which is always a good thing. My Apple watch is definitely helping. We actually, um, we're actually doing a giveaway on another podcast where, during lockdown, if you do the 10 personal finance things that we recommend you do, like the biggest items that are easiest to do during lockdown, you go in the draw and you just send us a, a message to say you've done it. You go in the draw to win an Apple watch. So um, we've had heaps of people. No, I, I, no, I, I, no, I really love this one. I should, I should compete for this one. <laughs> <laughs> I need an Apple watch on both sides. <laughs> <laughs> you do twice the steps, right? It counts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, I was going to come uh, say something. You know, I think this is really special that you guys actually cover your watch list ideas. That that is actually pretty special because you know it's not an official recommendation, right? If it's on a watch list, like it could become a recommendation. But I think people then get one of the biggest things. I think you can get out of that is you can see an analyst, assuming the same analyst is covering or a group of analysts is covering it, then then those people can over time actually see how the thinking is changing. And that's actually very good education. Yeah, it is. It is. And um, it also helps the analysts too, because it gives them, I I think you guys do this exceptionally well. And this is where I kind of got the idea from, to be honest, having that, having the advisors and analysts come up with an idea a month or tasking them with one idea a month is actually a real, I, th- I find that's a really good deadline. I think that's just like a natural kind of feel. I said to the team a few months ago, I said, if there's four of us and we're doing, you know, four ASX stocks a month between the four of us, one each, 
That's 48 that we're going to cover in a year. To be honest, there aren't that many really impressive companies in Australia um, on the ASX anyway, at least in terms of our niche. Um, and so I said, I'd rather us really know 48 companies than us try and go through 100 or 200 um, and do a half-baked job. So, and and to your point, what you what you also see is if if you're researching nanosonics and you, you've got the razor and blade model and you think, oh, this is great business, blah, 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 blah. Then you come up to, I don't know, Fisher and Pacum. You already understand the hospital mm. environment and, and what, you know, you can relate to that. And that's kind of where I think Charlie Munger talks about like a lattice work of mental models. This is as investors, we're kind of trying to apply that. We, we have this kind of, you know, this lattice work where we branch across to another thing and it binds it all together and it makes it stronger. And um, I think, yeah, so I think in summary, you guys do that really well. And that's what we try and do is just um, just bring research out. That's what we're doing every day anyway. So we may as well write about it. Um, yeah, we're not sell-side analysts. We're still high conviction, but um, yeah, interesting stuff. Okay. So, mate, um, before we jumped on, there was, we just had a bit of a, um, a, we've got a Google Doc here and we're just having a bit of a chat. What we thought we might do is we talk about eight companies. We'll go one at a time. Uh, companies that we find interesting for, for a watch list. We're going to give you the 30,000 foot view. Then we're going to talk about the headline numbers, try and focus on one key takeaway or metric or something. And then we'll, we'll give it a preliminary score. We're doing air quotes, preliminary score. So this mm-hmm. is just based on the report. This is not a recommendation. It's just, what do we think of the, res- of the report generally? Um, and hopefully you can put these on your watch list. Join us on Twitter if you want to have a chat about them, uh, if we missed anything in particular. So, mate, you've actually got an ASX company to start with. So I'll just throw it over to you. Feel free to share your screen if that's what you want to do. Um, this is a company that I don't know much about, but I really like the idea of it. So hmm. interested to see what Okay. So the company I want to talk about is Nitro Software. Code is NTO on the <laughs> ASX. And, you know, this is a very simple company to explain. So basically, if anybody's used, um, you know, an Adobe document where you have signed you know, maybe you've done real estate via Adobe or DocuSign. This is basically the same sort of thing. This is basically an, a PDF writer, PDF editor, PDF signature repository, and so on. So it's a competitor to those guys. Um, what is I think interesting is I think they're competing on price and uh, they're winning some here. The, what is another thing that's interesting about this company is 68%. This is a pretty big number of Fortune 500 companies are Nitro customers. This is a pretty big How deal. many? 60%. 68%. Wow. I would not so, have thought that. Yeah. That's... This is pretty phenomenal, actually. Um, and they're across available in 155 countries. So, um, the, you know, now when you think, you know, when you think about 68% and then you look at the annual recurring revenue, it's actually pretty small. Uh, so they only reported half year numbers because, uh, you know, they recorded uh, reported half year 2021. They're, they ended... Um, the half year with about 34 million US dollars of annual recurring revenue. So this is as I said, they're basically competing on price. So again, the thing to remember is that Adobe and DocuSign sort of lead the charts and they have a whole suite of products, but then there are a whole range of other sort of, you know, PDF signature, PDF editing software companies out there. Uh, Nitro is one of them. Uh, but these guys are growing pretty quickly. ARR uh, or annual recurring revenue grew 56% year over year. Um, you know, it's nearly break-even on, a, on an operating EBITDA basis. Um, 
subscription revenue and they used to be an annual you know like annual license mm. maintenance type of deal they've gone to a subscription model subscription model is subscription now accounts for most of their revenue but subscriptions are also growing at a much faster pace of 66% so uh, technically the tam here is big uh, but there are two big fish in the pond and you got to fight with them but it's growing quickly it's nearly break even so roughly at about, you know, my rough calculation says it's about a 15x uh, annual recurring revenue multiple. It's, I wouldn't say this is cheap, but I wouldn't say this is super expensive. The question really is how long and how far can they keep growing? How much can they expand their product suite? Um, it, it definitely is one of the companies that I would keep an eye on for on the ASX in terms of just the ARR scale, the growth, and, you know, it, it matches with many of the other companies that exist and list on the, on the ASX. And I think the valuation might be okay. It's not cheap, but again, as I said, it's not very expensive. That's mm. my take on Nitro. Okay, you want me to give it a grade? Well, I'll just <laughs> yeah, I'll give you get it to give it a grade. But one second, they actually signed Blue Origin as a new customer. This is fascinating. Like what I we don't have to answer this now. Maybe this is for another thing, another episode. But wonder why these big companies choose Nitro when they could go with DocuSign. I saw again or, or Adobe. Again, yeah, mm-hmm. so I think it's just uh, so they have been displacing some of the the bigger guys, and they've got integrations with the you know um, Box and you know SharePoint and Salesforce and things like that. They've got some big customers that they won. Uh, so they've got, as you said, Blue Origin, uh, BNY Mellon. They've got you know Continental, Thermo Fisher, Scientific. They've got some big big names, you know. Um, and they're displacing uh, in some cases the income. So I think it's price really. And often what happens is, and typically my experience with other software, I've tried out many of these PDF uh, things. The software is just not as good as say DocuSign or it can't, just doesn't have the full suite of offering from DocuSign or Adobe. Mm. That has been uh, the thing. And Adobe has other things, right? We think of Adobe as it's not just a signature company, right? So Adobe has marketing. Adobe has got, you know, Photoshop and a lot of other things, right? Uh, DocuSign does contract management, for example, right? So if you were signing contracts, you want to manage, you know, sort of the life cycle of the contracts and things like that, you can use DocuSign. So that, that, there's more to it. Uh, but yeah, com- competing on price and features is one of the things that this, you know, and Sometimes, you know, you win big fish. And um, I will caveat by saying, is Blue Origin really a big fish? When you look at SpaceX, probably not. No. Blue Origin is a small <laughs> fish. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's a good name to have for sure. Um, Which yeah, is a market client, right? <clears throat> market But 68%, as you just rightly, you know, you were like kind of a little stumped, right? 68% of Fortune 500 mm. is a big deal, right? That's a pretty mm. big deal. So I, I think this definitely deserves to be on an ASX tech investors watch list is my point. Uh, it, it deserves your watch list attention. Then you can decide on you know, valuation, TAM and things like that. But I'm not making those calls, uh, but I think it's a really interesting one to have. And it's break even on an EBITDA basis, nearly. It's not yet, but kind of. So. Cool. I like it. So, um, and what, what score would you give the report? Um, I would give grade? them, uh, I mean, I'm going to be a hard taskmaster and I'll give them a B plus. Nice. I like it. Um, okay, next company is uh, WiseTech. WiseTech. WiseTech, which is a polarizing company, <laughs> and you'd probably <laughs> notice that if you check the share price yesterday. And uh, yeah, I mean, it ended up twenty eight percent, but I think from memory it was up something like forty 54. or 50, 
54%. I was watching it at one point. I, I watched it only for one reason that it had very heavy short interest, you know, and I yeah. do not really, I'm not really in love with shorts. <laughs> yeah. So this is the company that you may remember. Um, it was the, the target of a few short sellers who effectively said that it doesn't, you don't know the true picture of what's going on with its acquisitions and how much value those create. Um, and because of, I think it was like cross, uh, it's like cross border auditing or, consolidation of something. So basically made it hard to audit. And anyway, uh, the the business does software for uh, logistics companies. So if you have um, a company that's shipping a MacBook from the UK to Australia and it goes through customs, it goes through everything, um, chances are that might pass through or be registered through a piece of WiseTech software known as Cargo Wise One. And they charge effectively a subscription and they benefit from any rise in uh, usage. Um, so I'm just going to try and share my screen here uh, if I can. Here we go. So I've got my slides up in front of me. And the one thing that I'm going to point out uh, from WiseTech is actually one of the things that's you can see revenue uh, from cargo wise was up 26%, overall revenue up 18, EBITDA up 63% to 126 million. Um, Underlying results, so statutory NPAT down um, 33%. Um, so interesting numbers all around. Um, and what should I say? $507 million total revenue gives you a sense of the size of the company. But my favorite chart from WiseTech is all the way down the bottom. Um, it's actually on slide 31 of 43. And it actually just shows customer cohort or, you know, uh, it basically shows a few things in one, but basically it's cohort analysis. And it shows that, over time, customers using CargoWise One make more use of it and they spend more. And this makes sense because more people are sending things around the world and because of the pricing model, they tend to just incrementally ramp up uh, revenue. You've talked a fair bit in the past, mate, about um, dollar-based net retention and the like. Um, yeah, so WiseTech says it has less than 1% attrition. So very compelling stuff there. Um, I will just call out one more thing further up which was the new customers um, that they sign. They, they tend to show this chart all the time. So these are like global marquee uh, freight forwarders. And the one that they signed post June 30th was FedEx. So a, a big coup for the business. Um, and all in all, I think it was a pretty good report. I need to do a bit more digging into it. But from what I can see, I would say B plus Taskmaster as well over here. I think it was a reasonable result. I think the reason that it jumped, there wasn't a 50, 54% um, increase worthy res result. But um, yeah, I think that's just because the shorts got squeezed and um, it was a good result, all things considered. It just probably wasn't that good. So that's WiseTech. Uh, still found a run, run by a guy named Richard White, who I believe was a roadie before he started the company. Could be wrong. I think that's what Koshi oh, told me. Or was he a drummer or something like that? Yeah, he was in. He was something in music, and he would go music, around and yeah. manage all the equipment and, and things like that. So really interesting. Yeah, that's WiseTech. Uh, WTC. I was, was going to say that you know one of the things we need to remember with WiseTech is that their compare probably was easier versus last year. So they probably got the pandemic compare that they were doing right. So. Yeah. Um, and they had some transport issues around, like, you know, there were logistics issues last time, which they have basically lapped. But yeah, I think short, short burn was sort of why uh, I, I had to tweet about it as soon as I saw that, okay, this is not going to be nice for, um, for short. Yeah, but, but, you know, I like the fact that they have 1% or, you know, 
customer attrition, just that's pretty very, very good, right? And their dollar-based yeah. net re- retention, though they don't show it should be high and signing marquee customers. And then the final thing I'll say is 500 million in revenue. Yeah, that's not that's not a joke, right? For for a largely software company, that's pretty big, right? That's yeah. actually glo- that's global scale um, yeah. r- revenue growing still pretty quickly. So yeah, another one to definitely have on your watch list. Yeah, just All to right. quickly, um, the just so you know the the price to sales ratio. If you follow that metric at all, just as a rule of thumb, jump from twenty four to thirty two in one day. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, thirty-two times trailing. Well, uh, glo- global sale, uh, global scale, global multiple. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what you get. Easy, <laughs> makes sense. Easy, just <laughs> makes sense. There we go. So put it on your watch list. Yeah. Um, okay. The next one we have on the list is a company called Snowflake, listed on New York Stock Exchange. It this is basically, or the code is um, S N O W Snow. How lucky are they to have that code? Um, this company is basically what, what I'd call a data warehouse, data analytics company. So basically you house all your data in the cloud with them and then you run analysis on on via their software. Um, and you could, you know, they allow multi-cloud arrangement in terms of where actually your data lives. So they can pull data from uh, any of the big cloud providers. Um, this company reported fantastic earnings. So um, they reported, let me tell you the numbers. Okay, so revenue growth was 103%. Okay, um, and this is 103% over how much? This was over 100, 104% to 272 million in one quarter, right? So this is a this is a company that is basically on a run rate of close to now, you know, billion plus dollars that is growing at 100%. This is pretty, pretty wow. insane. Wow. Um, net revenue retention, we have talked about this. So this is basically how much of the revenue from last year from your existing customers, that customers that have stayed on with you, um, have how much has that grown? That was 169%. So customers that you retained are spending 69% more on you. That's largely because this is a usage-based model. So the more you use, the more you pay. Uh, it's not a fixed SaaS type of model. Uh, they've got the who's who of clients from BlackRock to Action, you know, Accenture to you know Wipro to Tata Motors to uh, you know um, Deloitte. They basically got everyone um, using their their things. Tableau, you know, uh, sorry, those are those are not the customers. Those are the ecosystems. Pardon me, yeah. but they've got lots of customers. And uh, gross margin about one hundred seventy four percent. They had about hundred plus customers with more than a million plus in product revenue. That is pretty, pretty stunning. Um, a big, large market opportunity, you know, close to about $90 billion. Uh, so, you know, they just crashed the surface. But just as, uh, you know, if um, 30 times sales makes you worried, this is probably even more. Um, <laughs> this is probably what, you know, 60 times sales. Uh, I'll disclose for full, full disclosure. I do own shares of Snowflake. <laughs> Um, at that huge multiple, I think this is a very special company, which is why I own it. But yes, I am always cognizant of that multiple, uh, which means that can bring a lot of volatility. Um, what did I think of the results? I think the results were really, really excellent. You know, this is growth at scale. I'd give them an A on the results. Uh, I'm not giving, remember that the A on the results is not A on the valuation. <laughs> <laughs> so they get an A on, on the results and maybe they get it like a, you know, C on the valuation. And then overall, it's still, you know, something a B plus or something like that. But, you know, if you want to think about it that way, but yeah, I do want some share, shares of this company in our super. Yeah. Cool. I find it a fascinating business because it, it 
didn't, as you said, it only IPO'd recently. Can I just ask a, a question there? So why would someone choose Snowflake over just going with AWS or GCP yes. or Azure or whatever? So first of all, you you know, so one of the big things here, so they're platform neutral, right? So you, mm. you know, so one of the things about data is that if you're a company and you have, your data is basically going to be siloed across multiple vendors, right? Yeah. And, and that, and depending upon what application you're running, you might have a different cloud infrastructure provider that you're using, right? So how do you pull everything together is one of the big, big questions, right? And usually the, you know, AWS might not play nice with Azure as an example, but just might make it do. So you have to pull the data in and then you have to do, you know, the analytics on them. So that's basically their secret sauce in many ways is to how do you do world-class fast analytics on pulling data from all the different, you know, multitude of sources and enable you to just make sense out of it. So it's basically data warehousing and, um, you know, so basically data is being ingested and then, you know, into their system. And then you're using that for analysis. And I guess the biggest moat then is that they're ingesting data from multiple sources. So they're becoming the data repository for companies. And once you, it's like, you know, once you become the data repository of a company, you're unlikely to change that data repository. I've also heard that one of the big benefits is that it's easier to use for different types of data sets. So because it's a it's a data lake effectively. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So chuck it's a, any it's a, chuck anything in. Yeah. It's a check you know I'll I'll be you know what I'll say is that you know the so you could you could there's a structured data there's unstructured data the various types of data that you can analyze a lot of companies do that to various extents the question really is how what's the breadth and depth of what you're doing mm-hmm. right and and I think they have got the most breadth and depth in terms of, you know, and that's basically showing the usage that they're generating and the revenues that they're generating, right? So basically one way to, you know, see how good they are is basically just looking at their growth rates and saying, okay, people really love using what these guys are offering. And the more people are using it, this is becoming better, right? Because they're now, you you can almost look at the use cases people are using to decide, you know, what you need to, you know, sort of zone in on. Mm. Yeah, it's... um. It's a really interesting business. Uh, really, really interesting. So Snow, S-N-O-W. Um, my company, the next one, which we both know is salesforce.com, ticker code CRM. Uh, it's a really interesting business because we talked about this a few, I think it was a month or so ago. We talked about how Okta, which is a company I own and you may own too. If I'm, Do you own Okta shares? Uh-huh. Yep. Um, Okta, we talked about how Okta kind of didn't spin out, but has its roots in Salesforce. And so Salesforce is basically, it's a multi-product, multi multi-cloud product business. So basically the, the way to think about it is that they sponsored the tennis this year and they kind of do everything if you want to focus on your customer. So much so that they call their, their new ecosystem, um, I believe it's 360. Um, and so where have I got, I just don't want to butcher the name. Yeah. Customer 360. And so basically this is like your one source of truth. And what, what it does is effectively you can take in email marketing. You can build, um, your sales team can use it. We're going to talk about another sales enablement company in just a second. You can bring data in, you can automatically ping, um, your clients. If you've got a new product release, you can build websites, you can build apps, Basically, everything that you would want to do in an e-commerce environment, Salesforce can do for you. Most people know Salesforce for its CRM. It's like Salesforce CRM, which is why the ticket code is CRM. But it's actually expanded well beyond that. Um, 
And most recently, it made the acquisition of Slack, which you may hear ping in the background if I haven't turned it off. Um, Slack is an instant messaging service that they paid in Australian dollars about $37 billion, um, which is their biggest acquisition to date. But they also own products like uh, Tableau, uh, MuleSoft, and a few others that you would know if you, if you do anything in like an enterprise environment. What I thought was really interesting in the call today was just how fast the platform business has grown 24% from 1.5 billion to 1.9 billion in one quarter of revenue, which is, um, which is crazy um, to think the scale of this business and how fast it's still growing. All of the businesses lines are growing. And I think based on, I went back and looked at Slack's most recent quarter that we had publicly available and it was well on track for a billion dollars of revenue as well. So I think Benioff on the call this morning said that he's got five unicorns in his stable basically. And um, I think it's a pretty apt way to describe it. I had some reservations about the Slack acquisition to begin with because it seemed like a very expensive multiple, but I guess if there was a company to unlock Slack, it would probably be Salesforce. And they talked about that on the call this morning, which to be honest, there was a lot of pats on the back. I think the analysts were kind of serving softballs to management and management was serving softballs back to the analysts. Uh, And it was a bit of a, um, yeah, everyone patting on the back and which I didn't love, but um, at the same time, they described how, for example, the due diligence for the Slack acquisition was actually done inside Slack. So, um, you know, it's an example of how sales and all different types of businesses around the world can now use Slack. I think a really good thing too is there's a new feature inside Slack where you can invite people into your community. So say, for example, if you had a sales prospect, you invite them into Slack and then you can use data inside the, the Salesforce ecosystem and anything basically inside the Salesforce ecosystem to automatically ping them and send them communications and things like that. And you can do the same for your team. So it's highly complimentary. Business is growing fast, upped its guidance. I would say I'm going to give it an A, the report. I'm going to give it an A. It's about 11 times um, trailing revenue, the shares, but I'd give it an A. I wouldn't give it an A plus just because of all the pats on the back. It kind of annoyed me, <laughs> but that, that Salesforce CRM is the ticket code. I was going to say, you know, one of the things I find very annoying is this use of 360, you know, yeah. Microsoft 360. That's why I got I just, confused. I, was, I didn't I know whether it was one or 360. They're all the... I just like, I just hate... Can you not come up with a new term, please? <laughs> so, um, yeah, fantastic. Yep. I actually really like Benioff as a leader. And I think, yeah, that, you know, they, yep. they're, they're doing a great job. Great. Okay. So somebody got an A from you. This is pretty impressive. But what do we have next? We have, I am looking at the list. Fine OS. Oh, Fine OS. Yes, I like this company. I think this is another very interesting niche company. Um, so Fine OS basically provides software and underlying tech for basically insurance. Okay, so they, you know, the the service, life insurance, you know, accident insurance, and those sort of things. Uh, you know, basically they're like the the operating system for those mm-hmm. sort of um, uh, things. Oh, this is a European, I, th- I believe this is an Irish company, if I'm remembering this correctly, because they report in um, euros. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they've got, you know, a pretty good uh, endemic acquisitions and things like that. So bolt-on acquisitions happen. Um, but, you know, this is growing relatively quickly. So the revenue they reported for a full year was about $108 uh, million. That was up 23%. Um, the thing to remember here, though, is that because of the, 
type of industry that they're operating in, and there's a lot of integration. This is not like a plug and play, right? It's not like getting CRM and that, you know, it kind of works on the cloud and stuff like that. You, there's software and then there's services revenue for it. And their services revenue is a bigger chunk, uh, about 60% of the total revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but software revenue is growing really quickly. Uh, again, remember that reporting is all in euros. So this is a fair, fair bit of uh, revenue, but uh, software revenue was about 42 million euro up about 42%. Uh, services revenue was only up 14% um, to 66. Decent gross margins, considering the fact that, you know, they're probably, you know, not making that much money on the, the services they'd like to make on software. So it's got very good retention uh, numbers when they report. I haven't seen it this time. Um, Oh, I think this is interesting because again, you know, sometimes when you have software that's niche focused and you kind of dominate, they get, you know, 73% of the revenue from North America. Uh, APAC is 22, uh, 22%. So they've got some opportunities. And it's very interesting is that, you know, they're a European company with mostly North American revenue. <laughs> so um, again, this is one that I would put uh, on your watch list uh, to, uh, to check it out. I always thought, why did it list in Australia? Or did it start in Australia? No, so this know. is not, not no. So the, I think a couple of reasons for this. One is where would you list, right? At that kind of revenue, um, your options would be either to list in the, I guess, the London's AIM market, right? Mm. Because it's the revenue is small, you wouldn't be able to list on Nasdaq. Right, you could be listed in OTC or something like this. So, I think Australia was a natural place, maybe for them to list. I mean, I don't know, but is there a stock market in Dublin? I'm not really sure, and maybe that doesn't have. Uh, you know, again, as we what we we should remember is we're the fourth largest pension pool, right? And there is a demand for tech type of stocks, and this fits mm. the bill as a tech stock, right? So, yeah, the, 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 I don't think this is like you know uh, what I would say is that this is for what. I think in terms of quality, this is a quality company for what it does. It's not super high growth, but it's an niche area which where it, it it is, hey, doing really, really well, right? So again, this ultimately comes in. This was really up, I think, on on, uh, on announcements. So people probably were not expecting this kind of growth. Uh, they were expecting probably less. Uh, I think historically has done a little less. But again, only thing to think about is what the valuation is. And you have to be careful with the valuation here because it's got a services business and a, and then the services business will have lots of ups and downs. Mm. I saw a comment. I just did some digging. I found a comment that said, uh, we're looking at Asian markets now. And that is one of the key reasons for doing an IPO in Australia. There you go. And they also had uh, CommonSure, Tal and Westpac as clients. So this was a, um, from an AFR article in 2019. Interesting. So what, what would you give the report? I think the report was really good. You know, out of them a uh, B plus for the report. I mean, yeah, it was a good report. Okay. You know, I, yeah, I could even give them an A for. I mean, you know, the reason I would give them a higher grade is basically, yeah, my growth expectations are based on sort of the market and the opportunity, right? The market is a certain size, is a niche market, smaller market. I, I don't expect fifty percent growth here. So I think for what is possible, because it takes a while, right? You know, you want to sign tall or common sure <laughs> that sales cycle is going to be a long one, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then it's going to take a while for the revenue to feed into your system. Mm. Fair enough. Okay, cool. I like it. So the company that I'm doing next is Afterpay, which I don't think many of our listeners would know. Uh, just Nobody kidding. knows about it. Um, APT is the ticket code here in Australia. Um, 
soon to be maybe SQ. I don't know if it uh, if the deal with Square goes ahead, which we talked about at length in a previous podcast. So you can go back and listen to that one. Afterpay, as we know, is buy now, pay later, makes money from the merchants. What did it report? Um, so I, I'll just come out and say, I reckon it was, I feel like the B plus is the middle of our bell curve. Um, I'm just going to stick with that. So a B plus on the update. So they came out and said, underlying sales up 102%. Don't be confused. Underlying sales is actually sales through the platform, um, not necessarily the revenue that the business earns. Uh, 16 million active customers, 100 million, 100,000, sorry, active merchants. Um, what's really interesting is that I think they added around about 6 million merchants. So um, I think I did the math. It's about, no, no, sorry, not 6 million merchants, 6 million customers, which um, which I think worked out to be about 15,000 a day. So, <clears throat> which is really interesting. Uh, when you think about that, I'll just do it, just make sure I'm doing the numbers correctly. Uh, yes, 16,000 a day, which I remember looking at Afterpay like three or four years ago and the number of customers that it was signing up. If you would have said to anyone, oh, we'll be signing up 16,438 customers on average um, every day uh, in, a, in a few years, people would have probably gone, oh, that's, are you all right? Is there something wrong? <laughs> um, so, whereas, and I think, as investors and analysts, we can miss this if we look at just the percentages and we don't actually look at the numbers and see what it actually means. And so you get a sense of the scale of the business. Yeah. So really, really, you know, fast growing business, um, the, the net loss widened, um, underlying sales in North America, which is obviously the key market up 177%. That makes underlying sales in North America, 11 billion of the total 20. So, um, that they were aiming for. So overall, um, they got 21 overall. So um, really interesting growth in the US and you can see why Square is buying it. I think I think Afterpay is going to be stronger with Square. Um, I think Square is going to be stronger with Afterpay, frankly, as well. And so all pretty good. Probably the one blemish is a slight reduction in the margin that they earn, um, which may or may not be as a result of competition or discounting or, or what have you, uh, maybe moving further down the quality spectrum in terms of their merchants. So um, yeah, Afterpay, uh, there is some you know concern there around the margins, but growth is taking off. And if I was looking at it, I want to do make sure it's still growing in the US, which it seems to be. But you probably won't need to worry about that soon because it's going to bolt onto Square and it's going to be a formidable beast. So um, B plus for me and a really interesting business in Afterpay. That's that one. Excellent. I love it. What do we have next for me? One of your old favorites. It's a roll up. It's a roll up. It's the roll up that you don't like. (laughs) (laughs) The roll up that roll continues rolling. Um, Okay. So this is Big Team Canviff. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about this because I've talked about this previously, but it's a sales enablement software. Uh, There's plenty of competition, but what is happening though is the competition is slowly disappearing because um, uh, Big Tin Can is putting all of that competition in its big tin can and locking the can. (laughs) So this time they went and acquired a company called Brainshark. Actually, um, I remember when I was researching this company, this uh, Brainshark was one of the competitors I was thinking about. I thought this was an interesting deal because... And I'm, you know, I'm still a little puzzled because they're buying Brainshark, which has about an annual recurring revenue of about 46 million for only mm-hmm. 2.5 times the multiple. <laughs> so when that happens, I really, you know, think, are you buying something that's good or are you really buying a lemon? <laughs> so 
<laughs> I really, you know, this is the, the first thing that came to my mind when I looked at it. But Brainshark had, um, you know, Brainshark's customers, uh, they've got some marquee names, like they've got AstraZeneca, they've got CVS Health, they've got MetLife, they've got IBM, PepsiCo, and Zoom as their customers, okay? Mm-hmm. So, so pretty big customer names. So I don't know what is happening there in terms of why is the multiple so low. My only guess would be that there's pretty much maybe less growth or no growth. And then I guess uh, acquisition allows for cross-selling, you know, maybe a bigger uh, enterprise sales team and things like that. Um, the other thing that happens because of this acquisition is that Big Ten cans combined, like in the, the, the combination, they're calling, they're not really calling it an acquisition. It's really a merger, they're saying. But the, the merged entity would have an annual recurring revenue of 119 or nearly 120 million Australian dollars, which is a pretty big number. And if that number is still growing at 30, 40%, then, you know, 30% would mean, or 35% would mean doubling every two years. That's pretty formidable. And they're becoming sort of a big name then in that category of theirs. So I'm not talking about the results because I actually haven't looked at the results, but the market was super giddy about this acquisition and the stock was up big time. Um, Because, you know, I've I've talked about this before that, you know, ARR of like hundred million dollars is sort of what you need to be. And, you know, I really think of ARR in US dollars of hundred million. So this is 120 is kind of getting there. Um, So they are getting to that, you know, we are big, but we can becoming big and scalable. And, you know, we have got, you know, so growth at scale potential. Um, so the market is happy. How would I rate this acquisition? You know, as I said, I have question marks. <laughs> I just don't understand the 2.5, you know, that the sales multiple looks too cheap, too good to be true. You know, why would you do that? And in, in that way. So that's the question mark I have in my mind. But again, market is happy. You know, yeah, I don't necessarily expect you to know right now, but do you know who the sellers are? Like, are they is it private or I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's yeah, someone, maybe... someone trying to exit quick. <laughs> Get out now. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, whoever is the seller, right? I mean, if you've got a great business that's growing at a pretty reasonable rate, right? Even mm. if it's private equity, right? Why would you, when you know the public market is offering multiples, like we just talked about Nitro, right? I mean, Nitro has a 15X multiple. Why would you sell at three, <laughs> 2.5, yeah. right? That is, in my opinion, something to think about. Um, I don't know <laughs> what the answer is and I haven't dug enough, but you know, when I saw that, uh, you know, I said, well, okay, that kind of puts a question mark in my mind, but mm. something to, you know, you know, again, I think it's an interesting idea, interesting company. And, you know, this is, a, this is basically taking out an opposition. Like, uh, let me rephrase this another way. It would be funny if, you know, Afterpay was bought out for $10 billion. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, you don't buy out a great company for a cheap price. You have to actually pay premium <laughs> to buy mm. out a good to great company, right? So that's the, I think that's the doubt, right? I mean, I have, and I'll plant that in whoever wants to think about this. Yeah, right. Okay. I can't really find, maybe there was something discussed in the call, but I'm just going to, over it now, I can't really find anything in terms of their recent growth, like in terms of the, the, like a revenue yeah, growth. Anything? It, no, it basically says it says it says sustainable forty six. So I am thinking that they were going backwards, or you know, maybe they were flat, and maybe you know. So I don't know what the rationale is. Maybe this is just customer acquisition, right? That yeah. you know, at two point five x, I'm getting the customers. I'm going to just put them all into Big Tin Cans platform. At, you know, it's maybe a cheap. 
you know, if you think about the LTV that you can get out of this, maybe this works out. Uh, mm-hmm. If you can retain those customers. Uh, yeah, well, it's, a di- it's a dicey move, but if that's <laughs> the case, it's a dicey move. <laughs> I'm just looking at some of the acquisitions that Big Tin Can has made. And often the, the criticism of Big Tin Can is what have they acquired now? Well, they've gone big or gone home because this acquisition is multiples big. bigger than all of them put together. So, yeah. Oh, uh, that, that's so, over. Actually, that's a fantastic point, right? So this is something that you know people need to think about. Is this happens often in the small cap land, uh, you know, mm. which is just called the quantitative easing based method to acquire companies, right? And you can keep acquiring, but then if the acquisition is driving your growth, then you need to make bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger acquisitions, and the potential of making mistakes becomes bigger and bigger and bigger, right? That so yeah. <laughs> Uh, maybe I'm slowly coming over to your side, Owen. Here, uh, in terms of thinking, you know, but yeah, <laughs> it's it's that old thing: be there for a good time, not a long time. Um, <laughs> like it's uh, it's probably okay. yeah. It reminds me. Yeah, I mean, roll-ups are everywhere. So, what did you say the acquisition was in terms of a um, a, like a report? score or like an acquisition oh, score <laughs> the price was very cheap so i don't know what to give you know if i have to give them if it's a steered pricing then they get in like an a plus plus right <laughs> but if they bought a dud they will get like a you know a d minus i really don't let's let's say the grading for this the final grade for this <laughs> is only going to be known uh in due course in the future <laughs> yeah. so, so okay unknown unknown uh, assignment assignment incomplete <laughs> yeah and a, uh, you could just give a score to the student based on, I don't know, because they didn't give you much. So you've just got to score it. Um, you've participation award. for <laughs> Yeah. Participation award. Yeah. Merit award. Let's call it yeah. a merit award. Yeah. It's so. a merit award. Okay. The final company that we've got on our list today is one that, um, well, as far as I know, doesn't make, doesn't use this, a similar strategy. So this is Nanasonics. <laughs> um, I'm going to try and jump across to that <clears throat> just now. Um, I was actually just mistakenly about to open the customer service function from Rask Australia on Zendesk. We don't want to do that. Okay, so Nanasonics, uh, for those who don't know, is a razor and blade model. That's how it's described. Here we go. Um, and it basically creates, a, a think of it like a microwave that you might put your McCain pizza in, except this one's in a hospital and it disinfects ultrasound probes. And so um, four-year results, revenue up 3%. Um, I think the catchphrase of reporting season, August 2021, and I don't think I'm alone in suggesting this, might be a tale of two halves. The number of CFOs who said it was a tale of two halves, I think if I had a dollar for that, I would probably be able to own the ASX. And so um, it was a tale of two halves for Nanasonics because obviously the first half of their financial year was um, really, really constrained by COVID, not getting access to hospitals. The business makes money in two ways. It sells a Trophon unit, which is like a disinfectant unit. Think of it like an upright microwave that you put the probe in and it's a better solution than in the past where they would uh, where they would just kind of, with some hospitals still just wipe it off with like a disinfectant wipe. And um, it goes into the machine for a few minutes and then it comes out disinfected. Um, Nanasonics makes money by selling the units, but also by getting consumables and maintenance revenue. And so um, the company... Uh, reported free cash flow of $5.9 million, which was down substantially from last year, but up um, half over half. Uh, the, they actually expanded their total addressable market. So this is one of the companies, mate, that we actually covered as a watch list company, a Raymond uh, analyst did about a week and a bit ago. And we kind of concluded that the valuation was 
reasonable given the TAM and we thought that they were mildly understating their TAM. Um, and there are a few reasons why we can't, we didn't push ahead with it. And a few of the reasons were their R&D function. They've said for a few years that they're going to roll out products, but they haven't. And so if you're looking at the TAM and you're weighing up the numbers, you've kind of got to bank something in there or bake something in there, I should say, to, to suggest that it was going to be market beating, I think. And um, they've increased their TAM, but they've also announced, basically announced two products, which is Audit Pro, a software compliance function for hospitals to use to test where ultrasound probes have been or what they've been doing in the hospital. So you can really keep track of that through the, through the cycle. And the other thing was um, for endoscopy. So um, flexible tubes that go in your body, being able to disinfect, um, being able to do things around that. So that product's still a few years away, but it was really interesting um, that, uh, in terms of development. They always said it was an adjacency. So we'll see how that goes. Um, global installed base up 13%, um, which is really interesting. Uh, the second half new installed base up 20% compared to the first half. And for those of you that are watching on YouTube right now, I'm actually just going to jump into the DCF that we've got and um, just the valuation model here, uh, just in Google Sheets. So just the, the point that I'm going to call out, this is the, the top of the DCF uh, we're modeling here through the segments and then also through the number of units. Um, one of the things that Nanasonics did in 2019, I believe it was, or 2018, 2019, is they actually they – do a lot of their sales through GE Healthcare. And in that time, um, GE would take some of the consumables revenue, but also some of the capital sales. And you can actually see um, in this in the period around then, so if I can just get my screen right here, 2018, 2019, um, you could actually see how uh, the revenue mix had shifted and how, I guess, consumables revenue started to accelerate for the company. So we can see that here. Um, and I'll actually just jump across to this one, which actually shows the updated model. And so here you can see that um, consumables revenue did start to jump, but then fell back in 2021. And the reason I think that this fell back is because COVID restricted the use of Trophon units. So consumables and servicing just wasn't as readily available, but also um, they weren't able to sell into new hospitals. So we saw that fall. Um, people are concerned that the revenue per... Um, unit is falling and that's a fair criticism but when you consider the useful life of the systems they actually make more money or not more money but they make a lot of money um, from the ongoing subscription those those blades in the razor and blade model so um, don't be too concerned about this would be my feedback um, it's still growing it's installed based it's got new products now we said maybe not right now to the shares and then the shares jumped 25 percent in a single day or something like that. So maybe jokes on us, but um, Nanasonics, NAN, I would give the report, uh, I'm, Raymond might have a better ability to score this, but I would say an A, an A from Nanasonics. So upon reflection, mate, let's just go through them. Nitro Software, a B plus from you. Wise Tech, a B plus from me. Snowflake, was that an A? I think it was an A. Yeah, I said an A. Yeah. Um, because we're not judging the investment merits, like a valuation. We're just saying about the report. Um, mm -hmm. Salesforce was an A for me. There's a, actually a very common theme here. Um, Afterpay, B plus from me. Fine OS, which is a really interesting business from you, was a B plus. Big Tin Can gets, <laughs> gets the unknown slash NA slash merit slash participation award. Um, so we don't know exactly how to score that, but merit sounds good. Um, big deal ahead. So 
if anyone's on Twitter and has, a, has an opinion on Big Tin Can, let us know. And Nanasonic's got an A. So I think that's a, a good list of companies. We should have a few more for people next week. If you yes. like the <laughs> if you like this the structure of us having a bit of fun and giving a a score, uh, you can you can jump on Twitter and let us know. Um, mate, before I let you go, we should give this um, free report a special nudge as well. If you're interested in cybersecurity, you can get the report. It's uh, seveninvesting.com forward slash free dash special dash report. Very simple to remember, but we'll have it in the show notes if you want to get a copy of that and see all my uh, pencil work. It's actually pretty good. It's pretty oh, good. Oh, 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 it's a credit. Let's put the credit to Apple Pencil. Tim Cook. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Cook yes. for the win. We can get through a podcast without bringing up Apple. So um, yeah, it's it's um, it's a great report. So so definitely check it out. Thank you. Um, and anyone, if they want to reach out, can say g'day on on Twitter. Again, yes, yeah, well, yeah, and 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 we have not ignored your advice of various companies on the list. We have them for next week. We do uh, indeed. Only so, yeah. So you know, and if you've got a few others that you want to add, please, um, you know, add. We, I'm going to probably talk about A2 milk because I like talking about milk. <laughs> Still <laughs> waiting for morning. that takeover. Still waiting for that takeover. <laughs> Still waiting for that takeover to happen. But yeah, it's, Put gonna, it on it's fun. Waves. Yeah. <laughs> it is fun for us this we you know while it's stressful and stuff but we kind of enjoy yeah. um you know it gives us better and you know we get not we're not that phased by and this, and this is maybe a lesson for people right once you do this enough number of times you've you know been through this enough number of times you kind of don't get phased by it's plus 25 it feels good minus 25 it feels uh-uh, okay uh and and you kind of move on <laughs> yeah and i know i'm not trying to be make light of even if you own a minus 25 and you know you feel bad about it i know but you know you kind of want to make the averages work for you but that's kind of what it is the market does its thing uh if you make it a bit of a fun then it's more enjoyable <laughs> yep down uh 11 or 12 percent at the time of recording right now so which um, one uh a2 uh, a2 <laughs> yep yeah what um so my bet i think with you going back a month or two was that treasury wines would get bought out first treasury wine share prices go in the opposite direction for a buyout god damn it oh has it um, gone up so <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's it's ramping. It's up um, in the last six months. It is up 13%, whereas A2 milk is, let me just get my calculation out. It's what, down, down 20%? Down 32%. So well, it's getting closer to a buyout. I feel like you're getting, <laughs> you're going to get some free milk soon. Um, so, um, no, no, no. I'm going to take some penfolds from you, mate, for that one. So if I win, I get penfolds. And if you win, you get milk. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, looks like well, a good deal to me. I might, yeah. Well, I might, well, yeah. The milk might be getting cheaper too on the shelves by the looks of it. So, um, yeah, fascinating. So, um, if you want to hear us talk about things next week, give us give us a shout out on Twitter. Um, we are going to spend more time looking at individual companies. Today was just kind of rapid fire, uh, just because of so many reports. So, uh, just a bit of fun today. But yeah, mate. As always, uh, how can people find you and read more about what you're doing? Well, just come to Twitter uh, or go to you know seveninvesting.com and subscribe. Yep. <laughs> Simple. Cool. Simple. And if people want to hear more about RAS, we'll catch up on any of the podcasts, ras.com.au. So that's rask.com.au. That's where you'll find our stuff. Mate, beyond as always. And, and on, right? Yes. Beyond yeah. and beyond. Beyond, beyond. So beyond was the, the space mission, and that's what we named our new small cap service. So it's a bit of fun. But beyond is the name. You, you, you need to get some, uh, you need to get the Blue Origin guys with you guys, you know, and you yeah. need to put put the beyond on one of the blue origin rockets that's it. Be something. If, if they, that's it if they yeah if they put our logo on their i wonder what it would cost 
It would cost. Well, first they have to get bit. something to. They have to get. You know, Blue Origin has to get something to fly. So maybe <laughs> they have the privilege of actually putting the logo on. Maybe you can charge them because what if it blows up, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd probably be good for the um, publicity. I'm not sure how good it'd be for the whoever's on board, but. Uh, <laughs> Although I'm assuming nobody's on board. I'm not. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. Sure. Marquee client coming up. Blue Origin yeah. for Rask. Okay, here we go. Uh, <laughs> See what I can do. Cool, Matt. As always, All right. pleasure. <laughs> yeah, pleasure. Pleasure of mine. Thank you. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service. Designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.